Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Good morning, it's Friday, you're watching Message Live. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've had a cracking week. Some news from the message this week. Andy Hawthorne was over in Sheffield being filmed by the BBC. So if you're in that kind of area and you watch the BBC, check out BBC Look North. We have no idea what night it might be, but Andy Hawthorne talking about the community grocery out of our amazing church partner in uh, Hope. You can see him there on the telly, on the actual telly. So please do check in and check that out. I hope you've been enjoying our teaching. Uh, if you want to watch something else, watch Sammy Jabangwe from yesterday. My goodness, she blew me away with her completion of the series on Psalms chapter one. Wow, what an absolutely outstanding talk. So please do check that out. And also, it's worth checking out OTC's new music video. It's out today. It's called Down. In fact, it's so good, I'm going to play it for you at the end of my talk. So... Please enjoy that one later on. So today we're continuing our series in the book of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 11. Join me in your Bibles if you have them. Last time I was sharing about Jesus casting out that mute demon from, from a guy whose life has been wrecked with this demon. But as soon as the demon is removed, the people are astonished. They're in awe. They go mad for it, as I was describing last week. But some in the crowd begin to demand a sign from heaven. And there's some in the crowd that think that Jesus has only been out to cast out this demon because he himself is working for the devil. And so Jesus begins this teaching just trying to reveal about how impossible it is that he is working in cahoots with the devil. And so he begins to address that. And then he also wants to go on to address them demanding a sign. But so just as he's just about to launch into his teaching about a people who demand a sign from God, there is an interjection. Luke chapter 11, verse 27 says this, As the crowd was, uh, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave, uh, who gave you birth and nursed you. I'd like to imagine that Jesus is in mid-flow when he's interrupted by this lady. Isn't your mom lucky? Isn't your mom amazing? She's super, intend super well intended, but she's just a little bit wild. Jesus hadn't stopped and asked the crowd to tell him their thoughts and their feelings. I'm just going to stop for a minute and take some feedback on where we're up to so far. This woman just jumps in. You know the type of person she is. You've almost certainly got someone like this in your church. You don't know if they're just super passionate for Jesus or if they're a little bit nuts. She's the type that gets so excited in worship that you know it's only a matter of time before something's going to happen. You can see it building if you watch them. They can't contain their feelings as they begin to get excited. Something's bubbling up within them and you know they're going to express it. Out pops like a shriek of hallelujah. Do you know those women? Hallelujah! They just can't control themselves. They're the type that will impromptu grab a flag 
and then run around and wave it fervently, probably taking out various people as they go wild with these feelings that have been uh, bubbling up from within. They're the people that will begin to throw down some never-seen-before dance moves at the front. They're the people that go get so excited that they, they almost want to hog the Jesus out of you. They, you, know, you know the type. The uncontrollable crier who, I just can't stop crying. Or that type that is always on the look for starting a conga, whose eyes you must avoid at all costs. They're the ones with the amen Tourette's. They're the ones making invisible snow angels over in the corner. You know that type. Most disturbing of all, as I was sharing this with my wife last night, she turned to me and she said, Sam, I am that woman. And I'm like... This is incredibly awkward. But Jesus is interrupted by a woman who just needs to shout out something of an affirmation. But you know what? It's kind of strange that the Apostle Luke, our author here, who is writing his account of the life and ministry of Jesus, is writing 50 years after This event has taken place, but yet he chooses to punctuate his account of Jesus' teaching with two verses in response to this lady. Why didn't he just, like, edit her out? I think Luke is trying to draw our attention to something here. He wants to highlight something that we need to look at, and I don't want to miss it. Let me just read it again. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. See, Luke doesn't leave this in in there, doesn't leave this interruption in there as some kind of diss to Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's the reply of Jesus that is so important. See, this is another beatitude of Christ. Blessed, blessed, happy, fortunate, favoured are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This is the context for the rest of the passage. As we go on, we've got to bear it in mind. This is the purpose and the point of the text. Luke doesn't need to, uh, the Bible producers to give us a passage for this text. The lady who for eternity will be introducing herself as the woman who interrupted Jesus in Luke chapter 11 gives Jesus a chance to summarize his own teaching. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So as we proceed on in this text, it is so important that we hold on to this teaching. And you know what? Let's be people who decide today to be the blessed, to be those people who choose to hear the word of God and obey it not to be people who need a sign, not to be people always seeking miraculous proof. May God's word be enough for us. A crowd gathers in expectation and Jesus greets them with some straight talking. Verse 27, he says, this is a wicked generation. Got to be honest here, that is probably not how I would want to begin a talk. 
Right, let me start by saying, you guys are evil. Like, it's not the, <laughs> it's not the nice and friendly intro that you might expect. Matthew's account takes it even further when Jesus says, a wicked and dul- an adulterous generation ask for a sign. They're looking for a sign when they've been given God's word. They've been given tons of scripture. They've been given prophets, preaching prophets and preaching kings and preaching priests. And now they have the word, the word, God's only son, a great heaven sent messenger. And yet they are deaf to the word of God, searching around for other things that satisfy them. Have you ever asked a shop assistant where the eggs are? when you stood next to the eggs. It's almost like that. It's like we're looking for something and yet Jesus is right there in front of them. I just don't get why the miracles of Jesus aren't enough. When you think about all the wonders that Jesus performed, how could they miss those signs? Jesus raised people from the dead a couple of times. He miraculously fed thousands of people a couple of times. There were miracles uh, uh, involving miraculous catches of fish. Fish. This happened a couple of times. He cast out evil spirits dozens of times, healed the blind, the deaf, the sick, the lame, the mute, the lepers. He controlled the waters. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. They had all the signs they needed, but yet none of it, none of it was enough. They wanted more. They wanted specifically a sign from heaven. The people wanted a miraculous sign that explicitly and undeniably linked Jesus to heaven. A sign by which God would show once and for all that Jesus was authenticated as the Christ sent from above. This is almost a little bit like Donald Trump asking Barack Obama to present to them and to the world his birth certificate just to prove that he was an American. They want undeniable proof because the word of God is not enough. The signs of Christ are not enough. Let us not be people ever demanding more and more proof. The Jews are thinking, just give us an old school sign. That will do it for us. See, Moses, Moses had his pillar of fire by night and his pillar of cloud by day. Elijah had the fire fall from heaven uh, in his test against the prophets of Baal. They're like, give us one of those signs. Let us all see it, all at the same time, something that connects you to heaven. Let's do it. Just one more sign. Some old school, legendary stuff, something visible, something undeniable. This, Jesus says, is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. No sign will be given except one last one. So be on the lookout. He's giving him a chance because he's a gracious, gracious Christ. And he says, there's going to be one more. Let me tell you, it's going to be the sign of Jonah. Not the sign of Moses, not the sign of Elijah, but the sign of Jonah. It's old school. They're going to get their old school sign. 
But if I'm honest, it's just a bit left field. What would that have meant to the Jews at that time? If I was in the crowd, I'd be doing my best to try and remember what the sign of Jonah was. I'd be thinking, is there a passage of scripture that talks about the sign of Jonah? Well, I don't think there is. And so I'd be going through the story of Jonah, trying to think what happened. Maybe the story is the sign. And so I'd be trying to replay various Sunday school lessons in my head. Thankfully, very recently, Ben Jack did a phenomenal series on Jonah. So I feel like I know it a bit better, but it doesn't leap off the page. And to those Jews at that time, they would have needed more. So Jesus continues, For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. I think I'd need it to be spelled out a bit more. Matthew's account kind of sheds a little bit more light on it. He says in chapter 12, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But it's not, it is, it, but it's easy for us to see in hindsight, that the sign of Jonah was talking about the burial of Christ and his ultimate resurrection. We know that Jesus is en route to Jerusalem and to the cross, to his crucifixion, his burial and his resurrection. We understand that Jesus in the tomb was the sign of Jonah, that his resurrection on the third day would ensure salvation to all who believe. But to those who were looking on, they would have needed more application. And so Jesus presses in. Verse 31. The queen of the south will rise as the, uh, at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. Let's not forget the context of this text. Here, right at the beginning, Jesus gives us the interrupting woman. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This is about hearing and obeying. Jesus is saying... Those who hear wisdom and preaching and respond and obey are the blessed. Those who ignore and reject it will face judgment. The queen of the south is the queen of Sheba. And she came to test Solomon because she'd heard great stories about him. And in 1 Kings 10, you can read about that story. But when she meets Solomon, she is wowed by his wisdom as he begins to tell her all that God has revealed to him, she breaks out in praise. This is what she says. Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. And the Ninevites are mentioned. They were visited by Jonah, and because of his warning, because they believed in the words that he said, they repented. Although they were considered to be the most evil people on the planet, the most brutal nation, because they heard Jonah's words, the king responded. 
and he calls his people to repentance. This is what he says. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. These guys will return at the end of time to judge this generation, the generation at which Jesus has presented himself, presented himself in so that he, you know, and, and shared truth to, these guys will turn up and judge this generation because although they might not have had Solomon and they might not have had Jonah, they had something greater. They had Jesus, the living word, the word of God, preaching the words of God, living the words of God, but yet they did not hear and they did not obey. There is no worship in this generation. There is no repentance in this generation. And that's why Jesus describes them as a wicked generation. Jesus says, the queen of the south heard and responded to King Solomon, but there's something better than King Solomon here with you today. The Ninevites heard and responded to the prophet Jonah, but there's something better than the prophet here with you today. Do you hear the claims of Jesus? Do you hear what he's trying to draw themselves their attention to? There's a great king, Solomon, but something better is here. There's a great prophet, Jonah, but something better is here. Those are incredible words from Jesus. He really needs them to understand. He is better than Solomon. Solomon was wise and collected great riches, but yet Jesus is the source of all wisdom and gave away his riches. Solomon was the heir to the greatest king in the Bible, but Jesus is the heir to the king of all kings. Solomon maintained justice and righteousness, but Jesus is our justice and Jesus is our righteousness. Solomon was born in a palace. Jesus was born in a stable. Solomon lived in mansions, but Jesus had no place to rest his head. Solomon built a palace for himself, but Jesus said he would go ahead of us to prepare a place in his father's house for you and for me. Solomon's words impressed the elite, but Jesus' words impressed the unschooled and the ordinary. Solomon built a temple for the Lord. Jesus makes his temple, makes us his temple, the temple of the Lord. Solomon uh, had great feasts prepared for the fortunate and the favoured. Jesus prepares a feast for the most unfortunate. Solomon had many servants. Jesus is the servant of all. Solomon wore incredible kingly robes. Jesus wore a peasant's garb. Solomon conquered armies. Jesus would conquer sin and death. Solomon wore a crown of splendor on the seat of David and was crowned the king of the Jews. Jesus would be crowned with thorns as the king of the Jews. Solomon reigned on the throne of David, but Jesus would reign upon a cross. And so the list goes on and on. You heard Solomon, but this guy here with you today is greater, the greater king than king, even King Solomon. He is glorious, he is awesome, and he's utterly upside down. And Jesus 
is greater than Jonah. Jonah ran from the calling of God, but Jesus couldn't wait to fulfill the calling of God. Jonah hated those he was sent to. Jesus loved those he was sent to. Jonah had no compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion. Jonah tried to sacrifice himself to the storm. Jesus calmed the storm. Both spent three days in the realm of the dead. Jonah deserved it. Jesus defeated it. Jonah was selfless. Jesus was, uh, Jonah, Jonah was selfish. Jesus was selfless. Jonah was prideful. Jesus was humble. Jonah prayed for himself. Jesus prays for the lost. Jonah hated his enemies. Jesus loved his enemies. Jonah was angry at the compassion of God. Jesus rejoices in the compassion of God. Jonah declared, salvation comes from the Lord. Jesus is the salvation that comes from the Lord. Jonah would rather die than serve a merciful God. Jesus would die to serve a merciful God. Jonah knew God and cursed him. Jesus knew God and became a curse for you and for me. Jonah's words led to the salvation of the most evil generation on the planet. Jesus' words led to the salvation of the planet, of the nations, of generation after generation. Jonah was a prophet, but Jesus is greater. It's incredible. It's glorious. Do you see how wonderful Christ is? And he's right there with them. I love these words. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. The repetition there is to draw our attention. Here, right now, in your midst, the words that I speak are revealing my true nature. Right now, here, in this place, right under your nose, a king wiser than Solomon, a prophet more effective than Jonah, is here with us today. And you can take any name, take any title, any rank, any authority, or any power, and nothing can stand in against Jesus. He is always going to be greater. He is the greatest, and he is beyond all compare. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will explain, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But the challenge to us today is when we are tempted to look around for something else. In our discontentment, in our dissatisfaction, to try and seek to find something to satisfy us. When we look for something that will provide us with life and love and power, we have to remember that nothing will compare to Christ. He is greater. He is the greatest. And he's here as he was there with those guys in that moment, in that very, very single moment, he is here with us now. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be judged as wicked by those who heard the word and responded. I want to hear the words of God. I want to hear the words of Christ. And I want to respond. 
And so we pray, Lord, open our ears again today. Let's do that now. Lord, we pray, open our ears to hear your word. Lord, let us not miss what you're saying. We thank you for your scriptures, for the rich truth that we find there. That draws us to the truth of who you are, as saviour, as lord, as king, as prophet and priest. And we say, God, we want to follow you, Jesus We want to choose you. We want to hear your words and respond. We want to hear your words and be obedient to them. So we pray, God, help us today. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I hope these words have been an encouragement to you today. If you've liked it, please share it with your friends. Please like and subscribe and all that stuff. Have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.